Uh, I told you a story last week about Lucas and I in Qdoba and, and this, this uh, African-American couple there. And they, you know, we were just kind to them. Just kind. Nothing special. Just kind. Looked them in the eye and I told them they can go before us and all that. Let them cut in line or whatever. And so this week, um, just prompted by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's the best thing for us to do is just listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, we are going all over the place seeking counsel, and the best counsel resides right inside of us. We're going to political pages, we're going to books, we're going to other people, we're going to uh, political figures. What should we do? What should we, what, what should we do? And Jesus is like, I solved this problem 2,000 years ago when I sent you the best teacher ever. He's inside of you. Ask him, what should I do? So on Walmart, I was picking up some things and I walked out, and if you've ever been to Walmart on Woodman and uh, Powers, there's a, there's a really big black guy that's a greeter. He has a cane and some gold teeth, and always says hi when you walk in, hi when you leave, and have a good day. And so I walk in, I said, hey, man, you know, just kind of give him a point. Hey, good to see you. And an old lady sitting here sitting down and uh, said hi to her. And so I got my things, and I walked out, and without thinking even, the Holy Spirit blew up inside my chest and said, I want you to go over to him. I want you to give him a big hug and I want you to tell him that you appreciate him. So you know me, I'm like, cool. So I walk up to him and he kind of, he kind of backs up. He's like, well, you know, what's up? I said, with all the crap going on in the world today, I want you to know that I appreciate you. And I gave him this big hug me. And it felt like for longer than it should have felt, you know, like, okay, we can let type thing. And, and so as we, we left, we shook hands and I said, my friend, peace starts with us. It starts right here. He said this, for decades, I've lost hope until today. My hope's restored. Thanks, man. One small act of, no, look it, no one's blogging about this, no one videotaped it, it's not hugs.com or whatever, you know, it's not blowing up on the internet. It's just one small act of love and peace between two different races, but Americans and brothers. And you just walk up to, and, and by the way, human beings creating the image and dignity of God saying, I love you, I appreciate you, I'm glad you're on the planet, I'm glad you're here at your post every single day saying hi to people. I love that and I appreciate that about you. Lost hope for dead today, that hope is restored. Do you know how much effort it took me to walk about, what, 10 meters over to the guy and say, give me a hug? Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Is there a knot in my chest a little bit? Yeah. He's a big man. He could have just pummeled me with his cane. But instead, he embraced me and said, yeah, I am, I'm welcoming. See, it just takes one person to humble themselves. And by the way, take a risk. I mean, if you know that stepping out in faith like that is a little risky because he could have rejected it. And that's okay. You keep trying. You keep plowing. You keep planting seeds. And you keep believing for the love of God to break through in the injustices in our world today. Challenge you. Look, if I'm going to challenge me, you, I'm doing it too, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and be like, oh yeah, you guys all do that and I'm the supreme leader, you know, kiss my ring. No, I'm saying that I'm trying it too. I'm, I'm walking the streets too. I'm out in the marketplace too. I want to communicate and connect with people as well as you are. Oh, I forgot my clicker. Hang on. So tonight... I've got some announcements, but I keep forgetting to give them because it seems so insignificant. So if you want to know what's going on, 
go to our Facebook page, and there's a bunch of stuff on there. Uh, of quick note, though, ladies, this week you're at Wolf Ranch, the thing, the fountain thing, because you're having a concert. So bring some mu- what? I said that. Wednesday. Where's my laser pointer? All right, Wednesday, ladies, you're meeting at Wolf Ranch, right in the entrance of Wolf Ranch. On Wednesday, there's a concert. I don't know what kind of concert it is, but there's always a ton of people there from our neighborhood. It's a blast. Bring a couple bucks because they're going to have some food trucks and some lawn chairs or blankets or whatever you'd like to do. It's beautiful. There's a pavilion. It's awesome. So, ladies, on Wednesday, you're meeting at Wolf Ranch for a concert. And, guys, we'll figure something out on Tuesday, whether we hike, bike, wipe out, break our clavicles and elbows or get strawberries and wipe on the road or uh, we'll do something. Most some of the guys on the east side, Fox and the Hound, west siders or riders, we're probably going to Red Leg or Ute Valley or something like that. Be fun. Okay. Let me mention this too. Um, every, I, I, want, I, want, I want to explain something to you. You're like, I want to explain how we give and how, where your money's going at Keystone Church. So every three months, first month of a quarter, we give 10% of everything that was given into savings. The second month, we do the same. We take 10% and we give it to savings. This is the way the Bible commanded us to give. He said the first, well, we break it up into months, but essentially the first month you give 10% back to yourself. The second month you give 10% back to yourself. The third month you give 10% to the poor. Don't give to yourself. Don't put it in savings on the third month or you give it back to the poor. Again, I'm, I'm hitting the high spots. So this month was the end of the second quarter and we had about $2,100 that we had to give. Isn't that awesome? Come on, we need to praise God for that. $2,100, that was our tithe for that month. That's awesome. Thank you, one Tim. All right, for all of you who haven't given yet, come on, I'm trying to get you excited. We, we were able to give that 10% to two different missionaries. One is Gary and Lisa Black. As you know, they're traveling in Spain, and they're doing great work there, and uh, they're receiving world race members into their lives and discipling them. And the other one was John Beasley, who's a missionary in the Dominican Republic. So I was having a conversation today with John. You guys will appreciate this. And uh, by the way, we were able to give 1,068 to one, 1,068 to the other. You understand this is working? Okay, because you guys are giving, you're faithful. We want to be known as a giving church. So we, uh, we, we were able to give this to John. I said, John, I got 1,068 bucks. Do you want us to buy a bunch of bikes because we're doing Ride the Republic? Do you want to just use it for in-house expenses? He says, hey, just send it to J6 Hope and we'll divvy it up because I can get some good deals down here for some bikes. So today he's so excited. He texts me, he gets three new bikes. One is this gorgeous bike that you couldn't touch for probably three grand here. He got it for 220 bucks. Another bike he got for his wife and they're starting, this thing is blowing up. There's like 11 bikes now in the Dominican Republic because you guys have been faithful in your giving. Come on, give God praise for that. It's awesome. These orphans, these orphans who've never ridden a bike are now getting exercise. They're on bikes. Let's check this out. There's orphans serving orphans. He's like, I'm going to teach these kids that just because they're orphans doesn't mean that everybody think everything has to be handed to them. They're going to learn to work and they're going to learn to, to, to provide for themselves. And so they're taking their resources from this ranch that John runs over to Haiti and serving orphans in Haiti on bicycles. Come on, that's pretty cool, isn't it? That's awesome. All right. 
So there's that. Anyway, I just want to, I wanted to encourage you to just continue to be faithful in your giving. It's so easy. We got a little kiosk thing set up there. We even still take paper money. Can you believe that in today's culture? I know it's shocking. There's a couple, hi Dallas. Hey, uh, there's a couple baskets in the back. So anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you for listening to that. Okay. Why forgive? Part two. We're in a series of forgiveness. If grace is the, if grace is the, there we go. If grace is the vehicle that takes us to the destination of you belong, follow me, then forgiveness is the fuel that drives the grace vehicle, okay? So we're, we're, here, we're here all the time. Oh, you belong, and you belong, and races belong, and creeds belong, and sexual orientation, they belong. Yes, they do. If that's the case, then grace gets us there. Grace gets us there. Forgiveness is the fuel that drives it. Why forgive? Part two. Number two, it loosens the stranglehold of guilt on the offender. Someone once said that forgiveness is all for me, not really for the offender. It's not necessarily true. Although forgiveness is for you, and forgiveness does set you free, we're going to learn tonight that forgiveness also sets the offender free. It sets him free from guilt and shame, the corrosive attributes of guilt that can chew somebody up for life. When you forgive them, you're actually setting them free as well. The problem we have with this is a little word, a word called vengeance. We want revenge. We don't want justice necessarily because justice is restoring things back correctly. We want vengeance. We want them to suffer. We want revenge. And so what happens in our lives is when we have the freedom to forgive, we're actually setting others free but we want to hold them in bondage. And in turn, we're not only holding them in bondage, we are holding ourselves in bondage. And they are dying through the guilt that they carry. And you and I have the ability to forgive. Second Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now where the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we are carrying, as I said earlier, the, the best gift around, the best kept secret around the Holy Spirit in us, which is why I think the church has made it so weird and goofy. The Holy Spirit is your best teacher, counselor, I mean, the best peacemaker, the best person you could ever ask a question of. And if you'll just, if you'll just trust him and the voice that you hear in your spirit, I promise you, you'll make good decisions and good things will follow. In this particular case, if we forgive, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we forgive, we are setting people free because one of the attributes of the Spirit of God is freedom. And if we keep holding people in bondage, hoping to one day be ultimately their judge, we're not only keeping ourselves in bondage, but we are not reflecting the Spirit of Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's... Freedom. I mentioned this a little earlier. It has been said that forgiveness is not necessarily for the offender, but rather for the offended. That's not totally true. Although the offended does get set free from offering the, the free grace gift of forgiveness, forgiveness is as much about grace for the offender as it is the offended. To say otherwise is to continue to hold the other person in bondage. I don't care what's coming out of your mouth. 
until you allow that forgiveness to truly set that person free, you're holding them in judgment. To truly forgive releases the guilt on the opposite party. Now track with me. Forgiveness is what we said first week, was, is unnatural. It's not a natural attribute that we as human beings want to just dole out. We don't really want to hand out forgiveness all the time. We want judgment. We want vengeance. We want to keep people, that we want them to pay for their sin. Uh, reminder, that's already been paid for. Okay? And I also set you free the first week of the series by saying that you're not the judge. That when you forgive and you walk in grace, what you're actually saying, hear this, is that God, I trust you to be a better judge than me. And isn't that good? When you forgive, you're actually saying, God, I believe that you are a better judge of this situation than I am. That's good, man. That will set you free. So you forgive. I think part of the problem with forgiveness is we feel like we are enabling people. Well, if I, if I just let them off the hook, you know, they're going to continue to do that. That's not yours to decide. That's not even yours to determine. Your job and my job is to forgive and cloak ourselves in this robe of grace called forgiveness. I don't think that there may be another attribute outside of unconditional love that portrays the character of Jesus Christ more than forgiveness. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, what did he say? Well, the last words he spoke were, Father, forgive them, the abusers, the religious, the offenders, the people who beat me, the scars on now which I bear on my body, the swollen head now which I carry, the pierced hands that which I, I bear on my feet that are, that are pressed to splintered wood, forgive them. And the disciples, by the way, who abandoned me, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How much greater is that forgiveness than you and I simply walking in forgiveness of someone who has a petty argument with us or someone who doesn't necessarily agree with our political views or someone who doesn't necessarily agree with what everything that we stand for. How much greater is Jesus' love for us in our forgiveness? How much greater should we be in forgiving someone of such a small debt? Come on. I don't know that there's another attribute as great as forgiveness that shows the love of Jesus even when someone doesn't ask for it. Even when someone doesn't deserve it. Deserve it. Even when someone has offended us so deeply and yet we still forgive in hopes that that forgiveness... What we miss is I think forgiveness is the velvet hammer that breaks the crust off of willing hearts. It's something that is so mysterious and something that is so uh, misunderstood that we say, well, we forgive to set ourselves free. But let me tell you tonight, part two of this is you forgive to set others free as well. You might be familiar with this. Let me set the stage for what I'm about to show you. Les Mis was a popular show, obviously a Broadway show for years and years now. Victor Hugo wrote this novel. And it's a two-part, really a two-part tale of forgiveness of a person's life. One man was obviously Jean Valjean, was convicted of a crime and served 19 years of hard labor. He was a criminal, said, who's no fist could come against. He would beat anybody down. He was a very hard man. 
and Jean Valjean was uh, coming up and finding respite on the porch of a bishop one night. And the bishop called him in and says, Brother, don't stay in the cold. Come on in. And I'm going to show you a clip in just a minute. But the rest of the, the story is about Jean Valjean, uh, Jean Valjean, whatever, French thing. I had it right a couple times. Showing his, thank you, showing his, his humility back to humanity. And then the other start of that, part of that forgiveness was this other, was the sheriff chasing Jean for years and years to try and get retribution. And remember the scene on the bridge where he forgave him, not, uh, Jean forgave the sheriff and the sheriff didn't know how to compute that because his world was all based upon black and white, right and wrong, justice and revenge. Forgiveness is based upon grace and humility, hope and love peace and righteousness, setting things right, even though he may not deserve it. Check this out. I 
Obviously, such an incredibly powerful scene from Les Mis when someone is so deserving of vengeance, and yet it only took one person to set that person free. And if you've seen the story, you know that the rest, his life was changed forever. And what did it really cost the bishop with everything that he needed? A couple pieces of silver, a couple candlesticks. This, the original story said that Jean Valjean kept the two candlesticks as a, a reminder that every day his life was to be spent in the service of one another. I've got to encourage you tonight that forgiveness is not about deserving something. The gift you hold of forgiveness is not about whether someone deserves it or not. It's simply about the gift of setting someone free. Lewis Smead says this, when you forgive someone, you slice away the wrong from the person who did it. You disengage that person from his hurtful act. You recreate him. At one moment, you identify him in, 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 ineradicably as the person who did you wrong. The next moment, you change that identity, and he is remade in your memory. He goes on to say this, You think of him now not as a person who hurt you, but a person who needs you. You feel him now not as the person who alienated you, but as the person who belongs to you. Once you branded him as a personal powerful in evil, a person powerful in evil, but now you see him as a person weak in his needs. You recreated your past by recreating the person whose wrong made your past painful. You see the power of forgiveness and grace on a person? It's been said that a lot of this is about you and me, right? And, and it makes me feel better. But I can tell you, forgiveness recreates the offended. Forgiveness recreates the offender. And I want us to try and get our brains around this incredible gift of grace and forgiveness. That when you and I can really walk in this attitude, when we can really cloak ourselves in this in this powerful, powerful gift, perhaps as I said before, one that most reminds us of Jesus, I forgive you. And I really forgive you. And it, it's not just words. It's saying that I am setting you free to be the person you're supposed to be. I'm setting you free and I'm recreating you in my mind. Not the person who offended me or hurt me, but rather as the person who needs me. Can you see the powerful connection between grace and forgiveness and how one cannot abide without the other? And when you and I walk in forgiveness, it will change our kitchen tables. It will change our sidewalks and neighborhoods. And follow me, it will change our city halls. And it will change injustice. And it will change the way we treat the oppressed. It will change 
our nation. And it'll change the world. Lewis goes on to say this, in case you're wondering about someone who's really, really hurt you deeply. He says, forgiveness is not the same as a pardon. You may forgive one who wronged you and still insist on a just punishment for that wrong. And that's, that's sort of the balance now. Because I ask myself, well, what if I forgive and 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 forgive and, forgive and, and that person just still, or maybe that person is found guilty of a, a heinous crime and by our laws must be judged by that crime. And he's saying, that's okay. You can still forgive someone and still seek a punishment for that injustice or that wrong. But if you can bring yourself to the point of forgiveness, you will release its healing power in both you and the person who wronged you. In 1994, there's a story told of a, of a man who beat to death, or almost beat to death, a truck driver. Probably saw it on TV. And these men yanked this truck driver in lower L.A. out of his truck, busted his windows, beat his face so it collapsed in. His name was Rodney. The two men were violent and hard and unforgiving and, and, and just coarse, probably filled with Satan. And at, at the judge, at the, at the trial, Rodney was in a corner and the parents were there and everybody was being, the, the, the two criminals were being uh, sentenced. And this black man named Rodney walked over to the parents of these two offenders and said, I forgive you. And I forgive them. And he hugged them both. And one of the offenders' moms looked at Rodney and his face still scarred from the beats that he took from these two men. And she said, I love you. Forgiveness sets us free. Forgiveness sets them free. I don't know what the case is today with those two men. I don't know what happened to them. It's not really the point. The point is that the, men, the women who, the moms that lived in shame and thought, how did I raise these two, how did I raise these men to be such violent creatures? It's not in our culture. It's not in our, it was never in our wish for a mom to wake up someday and say, I hope my son, you know, is raised up to be a, 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 a racist hater. And that day, regardless of what happened with those boys, that mama was set free from guilt. Forgiveness sets us free from guilt. Forgiveness sets the offender free from guilt. Forgiveness is a two-way street. Whether or not you'll ever know what that offender or that offended did to you, if you forgive them, you're actually probably part of the largest part of their healing. Whether or not they ever attest to it, whether or not they ever admit to it, whether or not they ever ask for it, our job is to completely forgive and to walk in that forgiveness. Forgiveness has its own extraordinary power which reaches beyond law and beyond justice. We see this in Jesus when he was betrayed by Peter. You have to remember that this was a huge, huge crime for any Jewish young man to betray his rabbi. So from a Jewish point of view, 
Peter's life was over. Honestly, he was destined for a life of shame and guilt when he publicly de denied his master, his rabbi. Just from a Jewish point of view, not even talking about the Savior or the, the Son of God, but from a Jewish point of view, Jesus was no longer his rabbi. He was saying, I deny him. I'm not affiliated with him. As a matter of fact, prior to the story in John chapter 21, Peter said, I'm going fishing. In other words, there's no hope for me in doing what I used to do. I'm going back to my original occupation. I'm going back to what I know to do. I'm going, listen, listen to this, I'm going back to my natural father's trade. Because my spiritual father, I've, de I've, de I've denied him. So I can no longer be affiliated with the things I did. I'm no longer a fisher of men like he said I could be. I now have to go back to my natural father's trade and be a fisherman of fish, of stinky, smelly fish. And so, guys, I don't know what you're going to do. I denied him. I've got to go back to fishing. So I just want to set that table for you. John chapter 21 says this, though. When he finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. And you can imagine what's going on in Peter's mind. Man, I denied you. I'm full of guilt and shame. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And you guys know the story. He said, again, Jesus asked him, do you, do you, Love me, Simon, son of John. And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said. Take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was now hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's been said that Jesus, for every account of denial, Jesus forgave him and said, I know you deny me three times. I'm forgiving you three times. <laughs> I got you covered, son. Not only that, this is not just a forgiveness, my friends. This is a reinstatement. This is a call back to his original call. As a matter of fact, right after this, if you get your Bibles in John chapter 21, Jesus said to John and to Peter these two words, follow me. So not only was Jesus, we talk about follow me from a, from a Hebrew point of view. Follow me from a rabbi simply means this. I'm going to take care of every one of your needs. Take care of your family. I'm going to take care of your bills. I'm going to take care of your future. I'm going to take care of your past. I'm going to take care of your education. I'm going to take care of you in ways you've never even thought of yet. If you'll follow me, that was an indication of complete care by your rabbi. I got you covered. Everything you need will be taken care of. So Jesus again tells John and Peter, follow me. What was he saying? I just want to remind you that I got you. I know you denied me. I know that you're, you're filled with guilt and shame right now, but I'm going to remind you of who you are, and you are mine, and follow me. So Peter obviously still gets it screwed up. He argues about what kind of death he's going to die and all this crazy thing. And, but the point is, it wasn't really about Peter. It was about Jesus giving the gift once again of forgiveness and reinstatement. So let me take it a step further. And I know this is dangerous ground. But let me just narrow it down, let's say, to relationships or marriages or, or friendships or anything like that. Because I know that in today's culture, if you admit you're wrong in business, you're probably going to get sued, right? If you ever say that, oh, yeah, I screwed that up. I messed, those, I messed those numbers up. Lawsuit. I get it. That's the culture we live in. But what if we were to truly act like Jesus in all things? And, I mean, that's what we're called to do. 
And let's just say in our, in our parenting roles, our marriage roles, and I'm not saying that, listen, I, I feel like I've got so many caveats I've got to lay out here in today's culture. Look, if you're being sexually abused, if you're being beaten, if you're being, you know, any kind of abuse, I'm not advocating for that, nor am I saying you stay in that situation. I'm saying you could still forgive and, and be safe, okay? Everybody tracking with me? And then every other caveat that can follow that, right? If you're, if you're in a relationship or, or someone's hurting you or someone's mistreating you or someone's doing wrong, I say, you know, exit stage left as quickly as possible. Cloak yourself in forgiveness, but I'm not saying you need to stay in those types of situations. Does everybody just nod your head if you hear what I'm saying? Okay, good. For the most part, however, most of our petty differences come from a lack of humility and a lack of willingness to forgive one another, for the most part. Our pride keeps us from entering into not only forgiveness, but to reinstatement. And so we want to hold people at bay. We want to hold them in prison and make them suffer on the earth and be the judge. And God's simply saying, not only do I want you to forgive, as I did Peter, but I want you to reinstate. Come on. And that is so hard to hear sometimes. So sometimes we can say, yeah, oh no, I forgive him, I forgive him. Again, all the caveats, and let's work that out through the Holy Spirit. You know, someone's, all the stuff I just said. I'm not saying if you're, you know, in an, in a, in an abusive situation that you should continue to go back if the person hasn't truly repented. Because part of change is repentance, right? It's turning from one direction and going in the opposite direction, saying, I'm not going to be that way again. What I will say is sometimes that repentance is prompted by our forgiveness. Does that make sense? You're like, well, if you would just repent. Well, if you would just shut up. Well, if you would. Well, if you would. Well, if we would. If, look, it, if someone, if a, if a bishop simply says, oh, you forgot this as well, and totally blows the mind of a criminal, and simply, what he, he could have said, may never change you at all, but I'm trusting that my forgiveness to you will change your life. I'm trusting in that power. I'm trusting in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that it still bears witness today that forgiveness sets men free. What if you and I are the instrument of their freedom? What if you and I are the instrument of the very thing that we're hoping they'll change in? You and I hold the key to their freedom. What if you and I said, I forgive you, and all of a sudden their heart explodes and they change their life forever? And the very thing you've been praying for, the relationship you've been praying to be restored, gets restored, not from your judgment, but from your forgiveness. Man, how many times we hear it? Well, if they would, well, if he would, well, if she would, well, if my boss would, well, if my employees would. And on and on the beat goes. Judgment, judgment, vengeance, revenge, pride. It'll never break the bonds that forgiveness can break. When we forgive, we, we set the guilty free from their guilt. This is good. When we forgive, we are behaving more like Jesus, I believe, than any other act outside of unconditional love. And forgiveness is just a, 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 a limb. 
from the unconditional love tree? <laughs> Come on, all you hippies. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, forgiveness is just an extension of unconditional love. If we, if we love unconditionally, we forgive freely. It's just an extension of it. And when we forgive, we're behaving like Jesus. Last statement for tonight. Forgiveness, undeserved, unearned, can cut the cords and let the oppressive burden of guilt roll away. On such people, Jesus is building his church. The people who are forgiven, who walk in this incredible humility, whose pride has been broken, whose hearts have been softened, whose chains have been fallen off, and they realize, how much have I been forgiven of? How much more should I give this gift of forgiveness away? He who has been given forgiven much, much to be forgiven, much to be given. You and I have been forgiven much. Like, well, I've really done anything bad. Uh, we started off born in sin, so there's a big one against you right there, right? So we need that. We're absolutely helpless without Jesus' forgiveness in our life. So why should you and I hold each other in bondage, hold others in bondage? Let me tell you this, my friends. Break the cords of racial injustice through forgiveness. I don't, know what it, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's hugging a greeter. Maybe it's letting, letting a couple break in line. And, 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 and I don't know what it means for you. What I have to know is that you have to trust and ask the Holy Spirit inside of you what He wants you to do and listen to Him. My goodness, put Facebook down for a minute. Put a video down for a minute. Put a book down for a minute. Put, a, put the politics behind us for a minute and simply quiet your mind. Hey, Holy Spirit, you're here among us. What should I do? You would be amazed at the answers you'll get. You know what? They're right and they're true and they're awesome. Watch you stand with me tonight. I hope, I hope not only are we getting challenged, but it's changing us, guys, that Man, forgiveness and grace has to be coinciding with one another. That you and I can live, really, I think, look it, I think a lot of our sicknesses are because of unforgiveness. I think a lot of our mental issues are because of unforgiveness. A friend of mine and I used to go to, sorry I made you stand up. A friend of mine and I used to go to nursing homes, Steve Johnston, and he said most of uh, people who've lost their mind... They find, he found out most of the people he lost it, their mind in a nursing home are harboring some sort of unforgiveness against a son or a daughter or a mate or something, and it has eaten them alive inside out. Don't let that happen to you. It's, it's so simple to just release your heart and to forgive. Forgive. It's so freeing. Does it set you free? Yes, it does. It also breaks the guilt of the offender. And you may... Whether you know it or not, set them free as well. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for brooding over this place, brooding over our hearts. God, I pray tonight that you would change us from the inside out, Lord, that this message wouldn't be just something that is heard over the airwaves and just caught for a moment, but that it impacts us for eternity so that we can truly show the message of the cross of forgiveness 
Humility, purity, unconditional love for one another. Your prayer, Father, is the same. Jesus, your prayer is the same as mine is tonight. God, that we may be one as you and Jesus are one. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work inside of our hearts, that we would listen to you, we'd do audacious things, we would do things normally not in our character, we'd do things that, as Josh says, scares us to death. We'd step out of our comfort zones, Lord, and that we would do something. The church would speak to the injustices, not only in America, but around the planet, and do something about it. That we would be one, as you and your Father are one. Our same prayer is echoed. So let us be the light. <laughs> let us be that light, showing your love, showing perhaps the greatest act of your character on the planet today and to forgive one another. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.